Well, I'm Jeff. I'm one of the pastors, and you know Ben's going to be coming to preach in a little bit on uh, John 17 as we work our way through the book of John. But we're also, as you remember, camped in John 15 with this metaphor of the vine and the branches. And we're walking through the whole metaphor where there's seed and soil and roots and the connection between vine and the branches. We're going to talk about pruning next week and and abundant fruit. But what we're really wanting to land on this week as we have a little conversation together and, and some exercise together is the part of the metaphor that's really the core. It's the vine being connected to the branches. In John 15, Jesus said this. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. No, no, this is the metaphor. Jesus said, I'm the vine, and you, you're the branches that come off of the vine. If you remain in me and I in you, you will, does anybody know? Bear much fruit. And then he goes on to say, apart from me, you can do nothing. And so there's this, this is the image of us being Jesus people, that by the Holy Spirit inside of us, we are connected to him in a way that all the life and power and healing and leading and supernatural relationship with God comes through that connection. Bye, you guys. Have a great time down there. (laughs) And so we have got to stay connected to the vine. That's the whole metaphor. You got to stay connected because apart from that, We're separated from this life of God. We're separated from the power of God. We're separated from the presence of God when we're not staying connected to Jesus. So the church throughout all generations has practiced self, uh, sorry, spiritual disciplines. We've practiced, we have practices built into our life to keep us connected to Jesus. And there's a whole bunch throughout the centuries that believers in Christ have Uh, have practiced and taught one another and said, do this, you'll stay connected to Jesus this way. And we want to remind you of four of those that are really kind of classic in this uh, particular morning. And I'm going to bring some friends up in a minute and just have them join me to talk about it a little bit. But here's what I want you to do. Here's the exercise we're going to do now. And at the end of the gathering, I'm going to give you some homework. I want you to pull out the white card that's in the seat backs in front of you. If you're in the front row, your friends will get you those from behind you. And, um, Everybody pull one out and a pen, and I want you to either recreate this diagram if you're artsy, or you could be like me, and you just, I just did like quadrants. I just, I just wrote four quadrants in my white card, and in each quadrant, I wrote down one of the classic spiritual disciplines that are, you see around the circle here. These four, gathered worship, devotional life spiritual friendships, and gifts employed. And for now, I just want you to write at the top of each quadrant or write it in your circle if you're a circle uh, artistic person. And we're going to do an exercise with that a little bit here. Isn't this fun? You guys, you're so interactive. I love this that we've done this every, every week. Last week, I gave people some scriptures and truths to memorize. I haven't had anybody come up and ask me for all the money in my pocket. I challenged them. If they memorized that verse, they'd get all the money in my pocket. Got all kind of money in here waiting for the first person. Okay, you got it? Now, as you finish that, I'm going to invite my friends to come up and uh, have a little conversation about it. So come on up, you guys that are going to chat with me. And everybody finish writing those four down in the quadrants. Okay, you got them? All right, now give some love for these guys that are brave enough to come up here and be with me. I know. 
Hey, online community, I'm hoping you guys went and grabbed a piece of paper, okay? So if you're like, what, I didn't have a card. I know, go get one. You got one in your or napkin or, your, or your, the palm of your hand, whatever you got to do to make sure that you do this. Well, these are classic spiritual disciplines that keep us connected to Jesus. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to ask some friends to come up. Ben and I were talking about who it was that we know have significantly invested in these disciplines in ways that really has helped them stay connected to Jesus. And we'll have a little conversation, a little story time together and hear how that's worked for them. And so um, I invited these guys to come up here and talk with me. Now, your role as part of your exercise this morning is with your card that you have there. You're going to maybe want to take some notes. That's all I'm saying. Just some, because we're going to ask you as homework to process these things. And uh, so you might want to write some, some notes down. And so welcome, you guys. Thanks for this. I'm going to introduce Kelly Lakis on the end of the couch. Some love for Kelly for being here. So Kelly, you are, let's, let's start with the one. There's no particular order. People are wired. Some of these are more favorite to, to others, that, to some than others. But this idea of gifts employed, what that really is about is that we all have been given spiritual gifts to serve God. And when we use those, it helps us stay connected. How you're somebody who's been very thoughtful about your, um, your gifts, your boundaries, what your yeses are, what your noes are, and it's helped you walk really close to Christ. Tell us a little bit about how that has played a significant part in your life. Sure. Um, I, I actually should start at the preface and start at the beginning in that the older I get, the more time I spend um, knowing and trusting the Lord, the more um, discerning I've I've decided to be an intentional, I've decided to be. And I used to say yes to a lot of things. I have some boundary issues. I don't know if anybody else, if that resonates with anybody else. Um, I'd say yes to things and then I would resent that I'd said yes to them. I mean, how messed up is that, right? So um, I decided that I needed to be more intentional. And part of that was just understanding the gifts that the Lord's given me and, and how those might be best used. So I started by taking a couple of free tests that anybody can take um, online and um, understanding what those gifts are. There's a lot of different gifts listed in the Bible, but understanding exactly which ones you've been given is kind of important. And then just spending time with the Holy Spirit in prayer saying, where would you put me? How how are you gonna use me today? And sometimes it can lead to things like um, being at the car wash and washing your car and ending your time washing your car in prayer with the perfect stranger. You know, like it happens to all of us. (laughs) I know that's not normal, um, but it turns out evangelism is one of my things. But what I found out was it's not like a street corner with a sign placard. It's being in connection and relationship with people that my evangelism works best. So um, that's... I I love that insight about yourself. And so how is it, how have you felt like Jesus has been, you've stayed connected to the vine in in that by using those gifts? I mean, what's the, you know, A plus B equals closeness to Jesus? Um, well, I can tell you that, that with the exception of being out in nature and seeing the Lord's majesty, it's being in direct relationship with someone that you feel heaven and earth meeting. And, you know, I think I can't think of a better time that that's happened with holding the hands of a stranger and praying to God. So... God is so present for you in those moments when you step out and go, are you asking me to do this, Lord? Yeah. And here I am. And not all of us have that set of gifts, but when we step out, the Lord meets us in a really present and clear and, and um, uh, tangible way. Absolutely. Some, by the way, some of you should have been writing online gift, gift test. Some of you should have been writing pray. And some of you should have been writing car wash with a big question mark. Maybe, 
and what that does to your point is it makes me want more of that right because it's so good to feel god's presence in such a tangible way there it so is. it just makes me want more and more of it yeah yeah thank and it you. makes me bolder the next time there you go so who knows what's going to happen next yeah yikes all right <laughs> Kelly, that's awesome. Thank you, Lola, for Kelly. And this, this is Debbie Garlick. Keep your, your applause for Debbie. Thank you, Debbie. Hi. And, uh, and I asked Debbie to talk about here on your, on your uh, little chart there that something called devotional life. And what we're really talking about here is we're talking about people that stay connected to Jesus or people who spend time every day. So you might want to write daily devotional life. Every day, giving their hearts to the Lord and experiencing prayer and Bible study and other things, worship, other things, but a daily time of being connected to the Lord. And I picked Debbie because she's not a morning person. So you're not going to hear, I get up at 4 a.m. and I pray for 3 a.m. You're not going to hear that. She is a real human. <laughs> and, but Debbie, this has been significant for you. How, has, how have you stayed close to Jesus by this practice? Well, so uh, Jeff started with uh, not being a morning person. I finally gave myself permission. Yeah. I don't know how many years ago to, um, to do me as far as my devotional life and it's night times. My husband is a very early morning person, so he's sound asleep and I'm spending my time with the Lord, um, praying, uh, being in the word and meditating on the word. And uh, Jeff and I were talking about uh, a particular app. It's called Pray As You Go. Um, I feel like the word um, tunes my radio. So it's, um, it actually gets rid of the static in my life and then meditating um, at the very end because that's gets me in this mode of um, releasing anxiety, really, um, you know, all that stuff that floods in at the end of your day sometimes and keeps you from relaxing. This way I get to uh, meditate on the word. There it is. That's a distinction, yep, right? It is. Because it isn't a just a, like I'm just meditating to empty my mind or no. do something around you know, some, a new age kind of no. thing or, or, yeah, this is, you're meditating on the word of God yeah, and the truth of Jesus. a hymn and meditating yeah. on the word of God and actually asking yourself questions and putting yourself in the passage that you're uh, reading. And I find it um, really helps me um, even do that more with my regular time. And um, I feel like this uh, daily time, um, like I said, tunes the radio so that um, when situations happen during my day, you know, I have the words, the sword of the spirit. I have the Holy Spirit um, walking with me and I get to see answers to prayer. And to me, that's super important because I feel like at that point, then I trust him more. Um, I feel his love for me. It's a feedback loop of doing it more and more because I feel more of his love, more trust, um, more answers as I see all these things, um, you know, being answered in my day. Yeah, that's good. Your note should probably say something around feedback loop, the word <laughs> prayer, pray as you go app. If you were wondering what she was talking about, it's a cool yep. little app. But what I love about that testimony is if you don't, if you hear Debbie, the impact is She's been in the word, she's been praying, she's been resting in the truth, you know, meditating on God's truth, and it fills her tank. So the rest of the day, God's coming with truth, God's showing answered prayer, like God's present the rest of the day. And so that's the investment. Yeah, yeah. if I don't do it, um, you know, something will come up and 
you know, I just don't have it. You know, there's nothing there to You can draw tell the from. difference. Totally. Yeah, after yeah. you become invested in it. Yeah, yep. thank you for that. And this, Kurt Charles, everybody, a little love for Kurt. So Kurt, this little, this one on your, on your uh, diagram there called spiritual friendships. And uh, we like that term because it's about relationships that are actually rooted in the spirit. And I asked Kurt because I'm actually in a men's group with Kurt. And Kurt and Elizabeth are also in a couples group. And every time we sign up for small groups, they join. Everywhere they've ever been, as they've moved around over the years, they join a small group. And it's had an impact on you staying connected to Jesus. Yeah, it sure has. Um, you know, you think about a friendship, there's always a basis for it. Maybe someone you work with or you grew up with or your kids play Little League. And a spiritual friendship, the basis is a love for Jesus and a desire to move more towards him and be more Christ-like. And, you know, spiritual friendship is a corporate fancy term for small groups. Mm -hmm. And the great thing about a small group, well, first of all, uh, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, uh, if two or more of my believers gather, I'm there among them. So you get to spend more time with Jesus, which, you know, got that going for me, which is nice. Which is nice. <laughs> um, Good the, the big thing you get is, uh, is, is a different perspective based on the diverse background of the people you're in a group with. Some are, you know, similar to you. Some are older, younger, grew up a different ways. So I've been in groups where we do a, a deep dive to clarify the, the weekly sermon, or we take a book of the Bible and we go through that and, and you know, just really break it down. Um, you know, life studies, marriage, uh, parenting, uh, work-life balance types of things. Uh, it's great to have a biblical perspective on these things because the world will tell you all a bunch of different stuff of how to do those things. And, and we know that usually most of that's not good. Hmm. Um, so it's great to be in a small group because it connects you more towards your goals of being more Christ-like because your knowledge of the word and how it applies to your life. It also, I find that um, even when you're not meeting during the week, you might think about a comment that someone made in small group, uh, or you might bring up another uh, member of the group in prayer because they have an issue. So it keeps you thinking more about the word and then you know, exercising that spiritual gift of prayer um, and, and so that's pretty cool. And then there's the group chat. Um, both of the small groups I'm in use text messaging to communicate. And, you know, it starts out with where are we meeting, what time, whose house, who's bringing the salad. Uh, but then in the middle of the week, all of a sudden, bing, bing, and here's someone saying, man, I was in my devotional this morning and I came across this verse I want to share with you guys. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. Or... You know, ding, ding, man, I just found out that one of my loved ones is in the hospital. Can you pray for me? And so, wow, spiritual gift, prayer, you're exercising these things. Mm. And I, I believe in prayer. I've always uh, prayed, but I've never been one to ask others to pray for me. And just in the last month, I had two examples of um, one, uh, my brother, I was talking to him on the phone, and he, he wasn't doing well physically. He, I could just tell talking to him. And I hung up and I just picked up my phone and got on the group chat with my couples group and just said, you know, my brother's not doing well. Can you pray for him? And right away, bam, 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 bam. We're praying for him. We're thinking about him. Some people even wrote out the prayer that they were praying so I could see it. And uh, that was great. And then um, just this last week, 
um, I, I had a, a leak in my kitchen faucet that I was gonna have to work on. And I'm not a plumber, <laughs> but I, I think I could fix it. So I'm gonna be in an uncomfortable situation because it's not my, my element. And without even thinking, again, I just picked up my phone, hit the men's group, hey, I got this plumbing issue I'm dealing with, can you guys pray for me, give me wisdom, peace? And again, the same thing, bam, bam, just right away. And just got through that. Mm. So when I think about how this keeps me connected, um, a few years back, pre-COVID, I took an MCC class called The Renewing of the Mind. And it was taught by an actual brain scientist. And what's happened to me by being involved through small groups is that I am going, undergoing a renewing of my mind. Mm. Because even though I've always believed in prayer, now I can see you got to use it. You got to get people in there and, and use it. So, mm. yeah, that's There's that's so it. much good stuff in there. You know, here's the thing, church, listen. The ache of our world is loneliness and doing this thing alone. And there may be people all in your world, but if they're not significant spiritual friendships... There's a loneliness that pervades our experience. And you, have, you just spoke of so many beautiful and positive things that come from that. So thank you for that, bro. Love that. And Lukoi, everybody. Lukoi. And, uh, and I, I, I wanted Luke to talk about gathered worship. This thing that we do, Sunday morning we get together and we do it. It anchors our week to be God's people online in the room together in worship. And it's played a significant role in you staying cl close to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think just the opportunity to get together um, as a church and worship just is such a great chance to, to recenter. Um, I tend way? to uh, kind of go into autopilot a lot throughout the week, obviously with, with a little one and work and balancing all that. Um, you kind of build out this system of this is the easiest way to get through that um, and do it well. So I think a lot of the time I end up coming to church and kind of have a moment to pause and recenter and reconnect with God. And it is um, just this really renewing um, engagement where you pause, breathe in, and rehearse the truths that we've built our lives on as our foundation. And um, we all know the value of that, like rehearsing these truths and, and yeah. reconnecting with those consistently. But on the flip side of the coin, um, the breathing in and the taking in, pausing, I think um, that's how I experience the Holy Spirit. I, I feel like I breathe it in. It's in Scripture that the Holy Spirit is God's breath of life, the life that he's breathed into this world. And I think taking that time to breathe in and to pause um, is just so fulfilling and rejuvenating and reviving. Um, I liken it to when I was a kid, I'd, um, I, I loved to swim and I would try and hold my breath as long as I could and kick from one wall to the other and then back and see how many times I could do it in one breath. And, um, you know, I'd start swim along and I'm comfortable, like, okay, I can maybe get four or five this time, like really push yourself. And, um, and then it starts to hurt. And you feel your brain telling you, you need, you need oxygen. Your body's going to, you, you can't keep pushing this hard. You need to go up for air. And finally, when you come up and take that breath, um, you feel alive. You feel rejuvenated. And that's how reengaging with the spirit feels to me. 
Um, and I think what's just one interesting um, difference between the two, that analogy and, and re-engaging the Holy Spirit, is the fact that when you're swimming, you're very well aware of the fact that you need mm -hmm. oxygen and, right. and the pain and, and your, your brain's screaming at you for it. Um, but with the Spirit, uh, it's not until you've paused and taken that breath that you're like, oh, I just spent the last week spinning my wheels for nothing. This is what I live for and who I am. And where I want to devote my life. So thank you guys for being a part of that and this experience gathering together and going toward that mission. I love the thought of worship, yeah. Thank you, Luke. I love the thought of worship being like that, breathing in that air at the end of that um, suffocation, you know, needing it so badly. And you're intentional about that. You're intentional to show up. You're intentional to engage with it. And then God connects us to Jesus. Because these are just four of the classic disciplines that we, we think these are four that you should, we want to encourage you as, as our church. We want, these should be in your life, these four. And part of a balanced diet, and there are others as well. But we want you to be thinking about this connection to the vine. I'm going to give you a little homework at the very end of our gathering today. But even as we continue in worship, and I have the band come and be ready to do that, we're going to come and we're going to bring our offerings but this is about us bringing all of ourselves. This is about us um, giving of our tithes and our offerings of our, our, our hearts, our prayer requests. Um, but it's us saying, God, here I am, all of me. And that's essentially what this is. It's us putting ourselves in the place of saying, God, by your Holy Spirit, do your work in me. I have to be connected to you. So may worship be a part and, and even our offering time be a part of that kind of experience for you. So let's stand together and continue in our worship this morning. Thanks you guys for being here. Amen and amen to that. Go ahead and grab a seat, everybody. Welcome again to Marin Covenant Church. My name is Ben Kearns. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. And uh, it is just so good to always be together. And I hope that you're enjoying this Lenten journey we're doing. I mean, it's we're not just overwhelming you with content, but we really love this idea from John 15 about the vine and the branches and to figure out how are we going to be ultimately people who bear good fruit. We want to be people who bear fruit. And there is a spiritual formation process, and we really wanted to make sure we made space in our gathered life together to talk about how to pull those things off. But part of the life together is also making sure we spend time in worship and make some time in the Word, and we're going to do all of that. And so uh, we're going to be marching along right through John 17. And what's so fun about saying close to the word is, you know, God's invisible. And because he's invisible, it's hard to understand who God is. And it's easy to just make God into our own image. And so scripture roots us in making sure our mental picture of who God is is rooted truly in the real revealed script, uh, God in scripture so that we know how to live our lives in response to that and give glory to that. And that's what we're going to find in John 17. And, and as we've walked away all the way through John, we realize that Jesus is just blowing people's minds. I mean, if you think about this, Jesus showed up in this Jewish context and Judaism, right? It was the first monotheistic religion. Their number one prayer is the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, one God. And Jesus is walking in and he's teaching with such authority. And everyone's like, how does this guy have so much authority? And then he's performing miracles. And then, you know, he starts identifying himself as the, as the Messiah or the Christ. But you realize he's giving these little breadcrumbs all along the, the passages in John where Jesus is not just the rabbi, not just the Messiah, not just a miracle worker, but he is actually God incarnate. 
But that makes it really hard. How, who is Jesus? How is Jesus God? If we believe that there's one God and Jesus is God, how does this work? And Christians for a long, long time have wrestled with what is the Trinity? That's what we now call the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How do you explain three gods but are also one God and all unified? And people have been trying to find illustrations forever and ever to figure this out. And one is the illustration of the egg. I don't know if you've ever come across this, but the egg, there's the shell and the yolk and the whites and Right? Together they make an egg. But those, and so you're like, oh, that makes sense. Three in one. But what I realized is that's actually this thing called tritheism. It's three gods, it's three mini gods because they're not all the same. The, the yoke is actually fundamentally different from the, the shell, right? And so tritheism is not really the Trinity. And so what's another illustration? So I was racking my brain and when I was doing youth ministry, I came across this illustration which just changed my life. Have you heard of this? It's water, right? H2O, this is the, the, the essence, right? It's one essence, H2O, and it has three modes, ice, um, water, and steam. You're like, this is it, and this is God. One God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I was all excited, and I was teaching kids this, and I was blowing their minds, helping them understand the depths of, of Christianity. And I started going to seminary, and I, I took this church history class, and I found out, oh, there's this guy named Michael Seventis in 1553, and he was talking about this water model and ended up getting burned at the stake because it's a heresy. <laughs> I know. So I'm like, you know what? Forget this. I'm done with the Trinity. Lord have mercy. It's all a mystery. And so I went from wanting to know it totally to being like, you know what? I'm just going to, it's a mystery and I just have to trust God and whatever. But the truth is, as good Christians, as people who know and love God, we have to find this middle ground. We can't have heresy and that that be acceptable, but we also can't just go, it's all a mystery. We have to understand who is this God that's revealed in scripture. And the Christians that have gone before have helped us understand who this God is, this triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And here's just a really brief definition, which I think is so helpful. It says this, there is one God. So it's still the Shema. Here is where the Lord your God is one, one God. But this God is so complex in his being. He coexists eternally. What that means is God didn't make Jesus and then make the Holy Spirit. From the beginning of time, there was always the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there are three distinct persons, right? So the Father can talk to the Son. The Son can talk to the Father. The Holy Spirit can be active, right? They're three distinct, but they're also co-equal. So that's like, the, that's like the, the good Orthodox view of this is the Trinity, this very complex picture of the Godhead. And I found uh, in my study this, this, um, this definition, which I thought was so beautiful in one of my commentaries. It said that the, the author said this, at the center of all of reality, at the heart of the universe, there exists an eternal divine community of perfect love. Isn't that beautiful? At the center of all of reality, at the heart of the universe, there exists an eternal divine community of perfect love. And I love this picture of the Trinity, that the Trinity is the three persons of the Godhead living in perfect community, living intertwined, interconnected, so unified that they are one God. And the reason why I I, I talk about this, and I wanted you to understand that, because in John 17, at the end of his prayer, he prays for all believers, for you and for me, and he drops this prayer, and his prayer Of all things he could have prayed for, this is what he prays. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and me. That all of them may be one. Father, just as you and I are one, may they also be in us that that the world may believe that you have sent me. 
So Jesus' prayer for us is that we would be united. The, way, the same way that Jesus and the Father, the same way the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are all united, his prayer for us is that we as Christians would be united as well. And the unfortunate thing is since the sentence that came out of Jesus' mouth, the church has struggled to be unified with each other. In fact, you can ask any non-Christian in the world and they're gonna be like, oh yeah, Christians hate each other. So we have not done the best job, but this is Jesus' prayer. And just because we haven't done the best job, I think we still need to double down and figure out how to pull this off. And so there's just two quick things I wanna share with you. And one is a, is a challenging thought, I think. And two is an encouragement that I hope inspires you. And here's the challenging thought that we are called to be united with one another. This is Jesus' prayer that you and I would be one. Paul talks about the body of Christ, right? We're all parts of the body of Christ and we belong to one another. And the fact is that we all do different things. We are all different parts of the body of Christ, but we all belong to the head of the body of Christ, right? There's the foot and the eye and the mouth and the tongue, and they all do different things. But here, and what's interesting is since the very beginning, the Christians have tried to figure out how do we stay together with such a difference of worldview, difference of understanding, right? They, they wrestled with, should the new Christians be circumcised or not circumcised? Can they eat, uh, I mean, pork? Can they eat food sacrificed to idols? Um, how are they going to worship? All these different things. They just wrestled with, how are they going to stay together? And even Paul, who wrote about the body of Christ, ended up going separate ways with Barnabas because they had a conflict. And so there's got to be some tension for how do we stay unique in our own calling, in our own understanding of who God is, and yet allow space for diversity. And so here's a a challenging thought, which I don't have a time to get into, so I'm just going to drop this little mini bomb, and then you can email me, and we can talk about it forever and ever. So instead of simply thinking, oh, you know, I'm the foot, Kenny, you're the eye, this is us, we're the body of Christ, what if it was more like each gathered group of Christians were part of the body of Christ? So even though there's diversity here among Marin Covenant, but Marin Covenant, what if just Marin Covenant was just a part of the body of Christ? Or the covenant denomination was just a part of the body of Christ? And each part of the body did their job. They sit, their whole job was to glorify the head, right? The foot isn't going, I'm the best foot ever. The whole point of the foot is to make sure that the head the person that the foot belongs to is glorified, right? Like an athlete, when they run a race, they're not like, oh, those guys, that guy has awesome tendons. His tendons are awesome. No, they're like, no, he is an awesome runner. And the person, the head gets the glory. And it's interesting, like even here in Marin, you think of the diversity of the body of Christ, right? We have Marin Covenant Church. There's Catholic Church. There's a Greek Orthodox Church. There's progressive churches and activist churches and conservative churches, right? Uh, all jumbled up together. And Christians in general, we, we make it our habit to make sure that we're right and they're wrong. And we spend all of our energy cutting out all the different versions of Christianity that doesn't make sense to us. And this is why it's conf- confusing and why you have to email me. Because put that, the challenging part aside, what if, this as an intellectual thought, to think about what would it be like if instead of worrying so much about what San Rafael Presbyterian Church is doing or what Valley Baptist is doing or Our Lady of Loretto is doing, instead of worrying so much about that, what if we figured out what has God called our unique gathered body to do? Here, Marin Covenant, you and me, we together are part of the body of Christ and what has God called us to do? So my challenging thought is, can we have a, genero- a generous posture and recognize that, the, that God is alive and active in his big, broad church? And just because we don't understand how that grouping of Christians functions, maybe we can be generous and trust for the Holy Spirit to do their thing through them while we double down to make sure we understand fully what the Holy Spirit 
is doing here with us. But here's the encouraging thought, that our life united actually gives testimony and glory to Jesus. Because that's our job. We want to give testimony and glory to Jesus. And so the way in which we live proves the kind of God that we believe. And so the more generous we can be to our sisters and brothers who may see things differently, right, the world will understand and see that there is something unique and different. We live in a world where we just, anyone who's different than us, we like fight to the death. We burn at the stake, right? That's how we live. But what if we, instead of all, we took energy there, took all that energy to figure out how do we just do our part in a healthy way? Because when we do our part in a healthy way, the kingdom of God is going to advance. And I had a very small picture of this. A few weeks ago, I was invited to be a part of this ecumenical prayer service. And I mean, it was a great gathering of people that the Catholic Church hosted, which that rarely happens. They invited this really progressive Lutheran pastor, this young youth pastor from a Pentecostal church and myself. And we all participated in, in, in this prayer service. And it was sweet and meaningful and deep and God-honoring. It was really special. But it was funny, I was sharing with a friend of mine, they're like, what? You went with the Catholics? They prayed to Mary. And it was like this big thing, like they couldn't even hear what was happening in the church. We're like, we're so fast to go, but they do this and they do this and they do this. But everybody outside the church has no idea about all of our ways that we infight. And we need to infight, we need to figure out, we have to find the part of the body that we fit with and so we can be fully functioning there. But what's wild is this, all these people who are not connected to the church at all, came and gave glory to God and were mesmerized by the unity of the church. For when the church is unified, when the body is functioning together, the head is glorified, Jesus is glorified. And so Jesus's prayer is simple. It's just that you and I would be united with one another, not just with our dear friends in our small group, but with one another, with our church, as we as Marine Covenant, we would be unified and be the most epic foot of all time but that our foot would also be unified with the larger body of Christ. And we do that so that we can be healthy and whole and be active participants in the expanding work of the kingdom of God. And so we wanna be healthy, we wanna be whole, we wanna be united. And Jesus says we do all of this and it gives him testimony and it gives him glory. All right, that was my brief little devotional. So let me just pray for us. I would love to talk with you more and more about that, but we can do that um, not all gathered, so... Email Jeff with the bad stuff. Email me with the good stuff. All right, let's, let's pray. And I'll invite the band out and we'll continue on. Heavenly Father and our gracious God, so thankful that you have revealed yourself to us. And the way that you revealed yourself to us is this dynamic and complex God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, one God, this community of love intertwined, working together, giving yourself glory. And now you're inviting us, your people, to model that community. That us and other believers and you would be our own version of the Trinity. We'd be so united with one another that we would be a healthy functioning body that would give you honor, that would give you glory, that would work to expand the kingdom of heaven on earth and mostly that we would just simply point to you, that we would give a broken and hopeless world a picture of unity, of love, of justice and mercy. And forgive me, forgive us for wanting the foot to be the shiniest part of the body. May we work so hard not to be the best foot, but to be 
the most functioning part of the body so that you, Jesus, would get all the honor and glory both now and forevermore. And all of God's kids said, amen and amen. Let's stand as we continue to worship.